Drew Glover, what's your revolution? I typically am able to be constantly inspired by always becoming like, you know, Michelle Obama's book. I remember just like seeing the cover and being like, I'm in, (laughs) I need to, I need to read this book just because becoming is like, um, that word that I feel like should be tattooed (laughs) on my forehead because the journey is what's exciting to me. I hope I never reach the end. Honestly, I hope it's always like a glimmer in the distance and I'm always kind of running towards it. You know, when I, when I started, you know, my companies, it was, uh, we didn't have a blueprint of what the ending was going to look like. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Here we go. Welcome to the What's a Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. Where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. You know what I'm about to say. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well. We've been doing our thing, man. We've been enjoying summer, man. Summer, you know, we still got the little glow going on. We still got a, a couple weeks before, you know, here in Virginia Beach and all across the country, all across the world, summer is going on. And hopefully that you are out and enjoying yourselves and that you are reveling. As we talk about community here. I hope that you have found and embraced your community, that you're spending time loving on folks and allowing them to love on you. We've been going through a lot. Things are still happening, but our communities are what build us up. They are our tribes. They allow us to grow and get better. Hopefully you're surrounding yourselves with good people. You know, the joke around, you know, I always say, you know, Fast and Furious 3, which was one of those horrible, horrible movies. But... My favorite character, Han, says the people around you show you who you are. So take stock of our, take stock of who's around you, right? Look in the mirror. Are they mirrors for you? Are they helping you to grow? Are they helping you to fulfill your revolution? If not, I ask that you change your people. Change the water around you, as we say. Look for people who are going to uplift you and push you and say, you know what? You can be better and I am here with you. As my good friend Sean Dove says, you know, as we think about our dreams, we often need a midwife. And I remember him saying that. I was like, what? He's like, we need a midwife. Sometimes we need folks to help pull out those dreams. Surround yourselves with midwives to help you make sure that those dreams are coming true. I want to give a shout out to my folks at Camelback Ventures, uh, Carolina and Salam and Danielle and uh Nadia and Olivia and our good friends Riaz and Aaron and the entire team because I know that I'm forgetting Kelly Saldney and Kelly Murray and Hannah and KK and everybody, uh, everybody. And I want to say, you know what, y'all are doing amazing work, right? Camelback Ventures is one of those opportunities for, you know, people of color and women and non-binary and say, you know what, Right. You all are the folks that are going to help us midwife our dreams. And for six and a half, almost seven, actually almost eight years, Camelback Ventures has been able to support folks as they are building their dreams in education, education tech and conscious tech. So I'm happy to have been a part of that journey with Aaron and the folks. So just, you know, sending you love and light as you're moving through this space. And I bring up Camelback Ventures because I think about my guest today. Right. This 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 brother. Right. This 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 brother who's who figured out what it meant to support folks that are creating impact in the world. And it's interesting because I was I was actually doing some homework on him and his story is amazing. So I just want to go ahead and get started. I want to bring Drew 
Glover to the show. And I know that I'm going to mess it up, but he is the general partner for Fiat Ventures, and he is the founding partner of Fiat Growth. And we'll talk about that in a second. But this brother's story is so amazing. And, you know, I'm going to let you go Google him because he's told his upfront story so many times. Football player at Cal, right, doing, you know, and you can see like, you know, he's, you know, handsome doing his thing, right, football player at Cal, but then was able to use that and catapult it where he was able to partner with his friend. And we'll talk about this story to create Fiat Growth and then move on to Fiat Ventures. And we'll talk about that. But Drew, welcome to the show, brother. I want to ask you this question. It's not even our signature question. Look, how are you, right? How are you doing? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, incredible intro. You had me doing some some deep breath, some deep breathing to really just, you know, <laughs> drop into the space. So I appreciate that. I'm doing well. In I feel like my life has really changed in the last couple months here. I, I brought a beautiful daughter, uh, my daughter Coco yeah. Glover, into the world. And she is seven weeks old. And I even been writing about it on LinkedIn of witnessing um, this new human being that I love so much and witnessing all of her firsts. Um, You know, first time she sneezes, first time she smiles, you know, first time she sees a tree or a plant or a flower. And, um, and so I'm, I'm personally reinvigorated um, around life and all the moments that surround us simply because I am witnessing someone that is truly like, seeing the world for the first time without any jadedness, without any, anything, any judgment and um, really just soaking it in. So me witnessing that has really helped me um, just with everything in life, business, family, and um, it's brought great joy to me. So I'm doing well. That is an amazing story. And, and, and thank you for sharing because many of my listeners are fathers. Right. And they love to hear when those stories are pulled out, you know, and their older fathers, many of my listeners, their their children are going, you know, off to high school or off to college and to reminisce about what it means for them as they as they embarked on the first part of this journey of being a being a father or being a mother in this sense, because we do all also have wonderful female listeners who listen to the show and thinking about those first steps, those first words, those first joys, the, the eyes lighting up because that in itself is a revolution for us. You know, I I think about Drew and thank you for telling the story is that I always talk about self-actualization, right? Um, You know, you know, getting to that pinnacle where you're sitting in your passion and you're sitting in your purpose. And my friends who I feel like have gotten to that point of self-actualization, right, have figured out how to pour themselves into their families, into their children. And And then what happens is that they pour back into them. And that safe space of family, right? That safe space of I have people to help me midwife my dreams. I have people to love on me sometimes in those low points of entrepreneurship or low points of passion and purpose. I can then walk into the house and there's a smile on their faces, right? Daddy's home. Mommy's home. And that that kind of changes everything. That doesn't mitigate some of the stresses that we experience as, as, as parents, mm-hmm. right? But to have that joy of family that catapults us into the next round. So I'm I'm ecstatic for you. Thank you. You know, as you move through this journey of fatherhood, you know, um, and husband, you know, as you move through that space, move through that space. So very, very happy for you. I want to get our question out of the way so we can really dive into this question. Yeah. Drew Glover, what's your revolution? 
and there's there's so much to unpack there, but it's it's exciting because I'm in the middle of it, and um, mm. I I I typically am able to be constantly inspired by always becoming like you know Michelle Obama's book. I remember just like yeah. seeing the cover and being like, I'm in. <laughs> I need to I need to read this book <laughs> just because becoming is like um, that word that I feel like should be tattooed <laughs> on my forehead because. Mm. Right. The journey is what's exciting to me. Um, I hope I never reach the end, honestly. I hope it's mm-hmm. always like a glimmer in the distance and I'm always kind of running towards it. You know, when I when I started, you know, my companies, it was uh, we didn't have a blueprint of what the ending was going to look like. All we had was a was a, a very rough outline of what the beginning was. And as we slowly evolved and found a little bit more success and a little bit more success, we um, said, you know what, this is a really interesting next step. And then we would just draw another blueprint, draw another blueprint. Um, You know, my revolution is always becoming me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, as impact is a part of my revolution it's making sure that, you know, as my, my, my aunt's company policy link always says lifting up what works. Um, there's all these incredible entrepreneurs and businesses and ideas out there that are being used to use in some ways and use in other ways, you know, the way we kind of look at, you know, helping companies scale and also, um, investing in companies is making sure that they are making an impact on the portions and communities across the globe that need help the most, or in some cases have been forgotten historically. And, um, I, I, I find a lot of inspiration through my perspective growing up in East Oakland, um, growing up in the inner city, bringing that perspective to a place like venture capital, where, you know, there's less than 1% of folks that look like me with any type of capital to deploy into the companies that are doing the most impactful work for the world. Right, right. Brother, I, I, I love that because, you know, what happens when you do this show long enough, Drew, is that there are certain things that come up. And my good friend Elijah Moses, who is the CEO of Wise Young Builders in D.C., wonderful nonprofit, helping children really learn the skills, how to build right properties, how to use their hands to build and build wealth. And Drew, one of the things that he says is that, like you said, your revolution is to always be coming. His revolution is really a corollary to that is that you have to revolt and evolve into the person that you want to be. And that and, and if you're thinking about that, right, if you're thinking about your revolution of becoming, you have to think, right, I'm always becoming, right? I'm always growing. I've got to revolt from this version of myself and to move into the next. So that becoming, right, you see this vision, right? Right. You saw this vision. I'm becoming a father, right? I'm becoming a partner. I'm, be- I'm growing. I'm becoming this venture capitalist, right? And then what are the things that have to happen? Listen to what I'm saying, revolutionaries. When you're becoming, you have to figure out the steps that you need to take to be really, really good. I want to be a good father. Right? I want to be a good partner. I want to be a good venture capitalist so I can make impact. What are the steps that I need to take? That's a part of becoming because in the book, if you, you know, if you think about how you brought that back to Mich- First Lady Michelle Obama, right? Becoming, you know, and it, it is a wonderful tale of, and she shows you, she shows you becoming the big time lawyer, becoming the wife, 
becoming the first lady, becoming this, this, this pioneer and image of what we want to see of black excellence. I love that, right? So you see that I'm you see that I'm excited about your revolution, right? No, uh, I, I get it. I, I love that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think it's just it, it's important to say, you know, um, everyone has their vision board. You know, uh, mm-hmm. when I talk about the 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 very like soft sketch of a blueprint, it's really just like the like what you want to be, right? Like strong character, trustworthy, consistent, creative, like these things that I want to become. And then the excitement and the inspiration is filling in all the details and execution around it. And so we always talk about, you know, first, like get a jar and fill it up with rocks, then fill it up with pebbles and then fill it up with sand. And then, you know, at what point is it is it a full jar? But um, some people look at that as like, don't worry about, don't worry about the, 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 the little things, worry about the big things. I see it as something different as that's actually how I construct my vision, right? My becoming, which is, you know, first, like, let's get those big rocks in. What are the pillars that are important to you in terms of how you are engaging with the world and what your vision is? And then after that, you can start filling in those little pieces of that execution, like that night when you're up at 3am still trying to like work through an idea or, you know, get a deal across the finish line or um, all those different pieces though are are incredibly important as you're just thinking about the little things because the little things really do matter. And, um, and it's important for you to know if you're good at the little things or the big things and then fill in everything around you to, to really make sure that you are activating yourself and setting yourself up for becoming the person you want to be. Yeah, uh, I I love that. I I I love that because we think about that, and as you said, that jar full of rocks and pebbles and sand, right? And we think and we think that it's full, right? But that last part of that piece is that what what happens when we pour the water in? Yeah, and we think yeah we we think that it's full, and then the water starts trickling in and filling in the crevices that are still there, right? Those little pieces, right? Yep. Those little things you're like, wow, I thought I thought no, but that's the full piece of execution, right? And we think about right, how do we build our teams? And like you like you just said, how do we think of how do we think about the next steps in becoming and and pulling it out? Who's that last piece? Who's the water? Right. That kind of fills in everything else. And you're like, oh, wow, now I've got this in it. And oftentimes it takes time to realize what those pieces are going to be. Who are the big rocks or what are the big rocks? What are the pebbles and, 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 and in place, or, you know, and all those things. And then all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden you see it. And sometimes you have to have someone else see it from a different vantage point to really show you like, Maybe it's almond milk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Totally. Maybe it's not water. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's something else to help us become. And I, I love that. And revolution is as you think about this, right? As you think about asking and answering our question, what's a revolution, right? Becoming this is going to take time and it's going to take a plan. It's going to take a strategy. You just don't say, I want to, you know, I want to be this, this to be my revolution. And then you just go out and all of a sudden, poof, I finished. No, there's got to be a plan. And what Drew is saying, becoming, right, is a is a deliberate, deliberate process and moving into that space. 
So uh, I, I want to move the conversation, right? Because like I said, folks, go Google this. You can Google Drew Glover and you can hear his story, right? But I want to pull a piece or two out of it, right? Because he's told this story a number of times. There's a number of great interviews. But as you know, revolutionaries, I don't like to do the same interview that everybody else has done with my folks. But there's a piece of this story that I, I want folks to understand, right? As we talked about at the top of the show, who helps us midwife our dreams, and in your story, you talk about the relationship that you have with your partner, right? In building fiat growth. Talk about talk about the relationship that you have with your partner and right, the early pieces of the relationship mm-hmm. that help you build trust, right? Because if you if you don't trust the people that you're working with, nothing's gonna grow into the success that you're having. So talk about that, those early be- those early pieces of the relationship. And then how you all actually work together now to move, right, to become even something different. I'm I'm, I'm going to use it as my foundation for the entire conversation, right? So start there. What were the early parts of the relationship, right, that people just don't even know that you haven't actually told before? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. um, The deepest roots is time. So Alex, Mm -hmm. Alex and myself, we... Alex Harris is my is my co-founder. He previously worked at Chime, um, the large neobank, but we founded Fiat Growth together and also founded Fiat Ventures together, um, just so the revolutionaries know. Yeah. And on our end, we actually met in college. And when we met in college, no way we could have imagined what we what our relationship <laughs> would become. Um, I, I played on the football team at Cal during some special years. Um, and Alex was actually an equipment manager there. I was a walk-on, so I was I was riding the bench, man. It was, it was a really good team, and and Alex was an equipment manager. And I'm telling you, when you are a walk-on for any type of team, yes. um, college, professional, I mean, you know, kind of like six round draft pick, I guess is the equivalent of professional. But <laughs> when you're a walk-on, you know, you basically walking in there just happy to be there. You know, so I was right. I was building relation, right. deep relationships. Like some of my closest friends were trainers. They were equipment managers. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, the people, the janitors that like, you know, opened up yes. and locked up. And and so, you know, I, I always look back on it and I used to feel really I used to like like feel smaller because I wasn't a scholarship athlete walking into to UC Berkeley. And I look back on it and it was one of the best blessings I ever had because it 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 opened me up and gave me put me in a space where I wanted to build relationships with everyone, regardless of, you know, what ESPN was saying. And so Alex is one of those folks. And um, I spent a lot of time in the equipment room, one, because I wanted free equipment, but also because <laughs> they were just my guys. And, you know, um, right. and we had a lot of good times together. Alex, when we graduated, we stayed, we stayed in touch and we were always keeping tabs on each other. Um, but years later, and I'm telling you, we talk about this becoming story. I had to I had to join a lot of different companies in a lot of different industries to get to a place where Alex and I connecting made sense for us to build what we mm-hmm. built together. Okay. I right, right. worked in insurance. I was worked in business development for a design agency. I was a uh, I, I was in sales for an HR tech company. I was a I, I led the food content creation channel. Cause I just love food. I was like, let's give it a shot. Did it for a year for a, a platform that was building food content and basically selling subscription mm. services to it. But in wow. doing all these different things, 
I didn't walk out saying, oh, great, I have a PhD in this like one specific focus, but I walked out having these incredible tools, like a Swiss army knife Mm -hmm. where I could kind of walk Mm -hmm. into any room and be able to, to, to like really build a relationship. But Alex and I, we, we both reconnected while I was at steady. The, it's a platform that helps folks in the 1099 world improve their financial health. And Alex was at chime. And, um, when we reconnected, it was, it was like, we were still in the equipment room in 2008, 2009. And Alex was kind of looking for the next opportunity. And I was too. And we were lucky enough to be in these places where we were both the key to a lot of other businesses in the fintech space to get distribution, get their product in front of millions of people. Chime had millions of right. users. Steady had millions of users. And Alex, we were chatting like weekly and we, we said, man, like fintech, something special is happening in this fintech space. Yeah. Folks are no longer building products for, you know, the 1%, like this 80 to 90% of America that historically just didn't get any technology in their hand. And now the proliferation of phones and like there's a computer in everyone's hand. You can walk into a T-Mobile store and get a free phone and it be a computer. We saw this opportunity where the relationship with finance and the 75% of America that doesn't have $500 in savings in case of an emergency would have wow. access to better managing their money, better understanding their money, better usage of it. So when we started seeing these companies pop up, we said, man, like we should start working with them. In short, we co-advised a number of them and we ultimately found it steady. But it was this moment when we started co-advising each, uh, a company together and we started working together and we were doing this while we still had a day job. We had these incredible discussions and we mm-hmm. get on these phone calls with founders and and you know what it's like. Sometimes you see it in yeah. a wife, sometimes you see it in a best friend, but like as we started dancing together with our words and our strategy on our phone, like nobody was stepping on toes. It just felt natural. And we founded something based on just having fun together around building strategy and executing on it versus building something together. Cause we said, Hey man, like we're not making enough money. Like let's go figure out to make more, a way to make more money. Uh, you know, there was something deeper than that. And I'm telling you like the best part of the, of the journey so far has been, it's not us looking up at the scoreboard. It's just like heads down, blinders on, having a ton of fun and looking up and being like, man, like we are a mile a mile forward than where we were a year ago. And like, let's just put our heads down again and do it again. Um, right. But I'll tell right. you, there, there's an important piece here is Alex and myself are very much the same. Um, we are strategists. We are um, creatives. We understand a space like the back of our hand. But I mean, there's all these pieces to business that like we doesn't come second nature to us. Like there were parts of the business when we were heads down, we were like, damn, man, we got to do this again. Like, and that's, you know, building the pivot table or like really like getting 10 feet deep into a strategy and having to like not just have the idea, but actualize it. And so when we started building our team, we knew like we were the rocks. But as we go back to the analogy, right, we had to go. go. look for the sand. We had to go look for the pebbles. We had to go search for the water. Sometimes we weren't even searching. And I go back, like all those things you're filling in, in that analogy, sometimes you're looking for them. And sometimes they just, they opportunistically knock on your door and you have to like figure out if, is this the person? Sometimes it is. And sometimes it isn't, but like, it's not always you looking for the solution. Sometimes the solution walks up to you and you have to make sure it doesn't slip through your fingers. So as we've been building our team, you know, Fiat growth is 25 employees now. 
And right. the majority of those folks, we went and sought out, but other ones, somebody reached out to us and said, Hey, like I'm no longer working here. Just want to catch up. And you get on the phone. You're like, Oh man, <laughs> this person could be, right. could be the lead for this part of our business and has a mind mm-hmm. that is so different than mine. And also like the vulnerability as a founder, having to constantly look for people that are smarter than you and, and, and know that they're smarter than you. So much. So important. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's a switch that happens. Like, you know, after like the first like year and a half of like creating something where you're like, dude, like, I want everyone to be smarter than me so I can look back and think about 10 years out while everyone is just making sure that like the now is taken care of. Um, So that's really me and Alex's relationship, right? We had this like creative and some people are too much the same. Some people are perfectly the same. Me and Alex are perfectly the same. And we were (laughs) able to just, we're always been able to just vibe and create and uncover problems and solve problems. And what we did was build around us to make sure that, you know, all the little things that took that 10% of energy, that 10% of mind share away from us, um, we, uh, w- which we wish we could have been spending on solving. We just started hiring for, cause I'll tell you this, like everyone yeah. knows their superpowers and they know what they're not good at. All those little things they're not good at that they have to spend time on takes a little bit of that superpower away. Exactly. It, it, it lessens it. Yeah, it's, it, it's kryptonite. You can fill the puzzle in. Um, and that's what me and Alex really been trying to do over these last four years is, is, yeah. is make it so all of our energy is put towards our superpowers. And us, as long as everyone else knows, hey, these are their superpowers. This is the role I play. And if we all play it well together, like it really creates a special a, a special cocktail, you know, like that that big soup that just is perfectly balanced. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I I love that because what there was so much in there, like revolutionaries, especially my entrepreneurial revolutionaries. There's so much as as you're thinking about growing your companies and growing your ventures, and even for folks who are just at the beginning. One thing that I heard that I really want to illuminate is that it sounds like that you and analysts are not competing against each other, right? And you think about good partnerships, right? Whether it be marriage or friendships or anything you have to have the ability to uplift each other, right? You know, I'm sure that there, even though you said that you're perfectly similar, there are still spaces where, you know, one of you has a, a skill set and the other does not. And, and you're and you're working with each other to build up each other's skill sets. And so that's the thing. And, and particularly what I see is in some men, I'm not going to say all men, is that there's this competition, right? We have to compete against each other to be better, but what happens when we leave out the, the the tensions of masculinity or the tensions of competition and that we come together and say that we want to become something different together, what does that look like, right? I mean, and you know, what does that look like when you can midwife each other, when you can actually build each other up? Uh, I was out with one of my frat brothers last night, right? And there's a conscious effort that we make towards each other to say, you know what? Any time or any chance that I get, I'm going to say something good about you, right, to the world, right? Amen. There's there's no like, you know, there, there's no like I'm, I'm trying to take something away from you. Like we were just sitting at dinner last night and, you know, uh, with some other uh, entrepreneurs. And I was like, look, you know, I, I want to celebrate him. He just finished master's, right? He's a commander in the military, Naval Academy graduate. I was like, look, we're going to sit here and celebrate his master. I know he's worked hard. Like I want people to know that, you know, what he's doing. And if we can just do more of that to uplift each other and to really, particularly men of color, if we can do more of that, of uplifting and saying, you know, I've got you, I'm going to celebrate you, I'm going to laud you, right? 
How does that shift how we even think about ourselves? How can we become even better? If I, if I take my boy Phil Eccles' words, become better if we know that we have others supporting us. So it's interesting uh, to have that, right? To have that partner. Because I know, as you know, many entrepreneurs are trying to build things by themselves. Many entrepreneurs of color are trying to build things by themselves. And it's tough. It's extremely tough. I've Early in my career, I knew that if I ever started a company, I'd never do it alone. I knew I had to have a co-founder. That that was just me. And and that that was because right. and even going back to just celebrating other men and women of 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 color, really anyone, right? Um, in your pursuit, that was all that was tough for me early in my career. Yeah. Like tough. Yeah. I was competitive to your point, like a lot of entrepreneurs having to do it by themselves. I always thought I had to I had to do it by myself. And I'd actually shun away people that were trying to help me because I'm like, what's the story if I got to say I did it with someone else? Like the story shifts <laughs> and, <laughs> it and, and it took me a long time to realize that I had to be comfortable, comfortable being a main character just as much as I was comfortable being a, a supporting character. Yeah. And and also I also say this, you know, I didn't really fall into the space of honoring people for their successes um, until I found myself, you know, really leading a company. Um, Because what you start to realize is the person I was when I was an employee for all those years, what I really wanted is for someone to give me that. And I feel like I didn't get that often. (laughs) So, so um, it wasn't until I was managing other people and they looked at me as like, oh, Drew, Drew's the founder of this company where I realized I was like, oh, wait, this person is me. And this is this is what I needed, like that that space of empathy that everyone needs to have and vulnerability of like, who was I when I was them and noticing that Mm -hmm. and um, and saying, okay, like, let's let's design for who I was. And I was like, man, I wish someone had done this. I wish someone had done this. And then you start to do it and you start to realize the positive impacts of it. But going yes. back of just like honoring folks, you know, I'm so thankful of what we built at Fiat, Fiat Growth and Fiat Ventures because it's taught me personally of what most people need and they just need to be lifted up <laughs> like mm, as often exactly. as possible. Because if you, if you lift possible. them up as often as possible, you find so much more comfort in telling them what they did wrong and why they could do it right. better. Um I always think about it as this like game, this not this game, but like, you know, kind of collecting coins. Like, you know, mm, every single yes. time they do really well, I it's a deposit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I give them I give them those words of affirmation. It's a deposit. Um, but whenever I really gotta have that hard conversation, I like lift it up and I'm like, oh yeah, like I can give a lot back right now and and give that constructive criticism. Um, yes. because sometimes like, yes, they might make a mistake, but you look in there and you're like, man, I, I haven't given this person any positive feedback in a year and I know they messed <laughs> up, point. but I can't, I can't, right. I can't come at them the way I want to come at them. I got to calm down a bit and, and be a little bit more strategic about, you know, what, what this moment is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. One of the things, and uh, again, like my time at Camelback, you know, I've, I've been in some great places that have great cultures. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it lineage, but my, you know, my career trajectory has been in 
you know, very diverse, you know, and one of the great places that I've been, I think about being a teacher at Green Run High School and having a great leader. My actually, uh, Mr. Jorner, who was my actually my government teacher when I was in high school, was my department head. And there was this 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 culture that we had in the social studies department, right, that was built on how he saw how we should grow as a staff and how we then went out and taught folks. You know what I'm saying? He built this like, look, I trust there. There's a level of trust that I have for you. Go do what you're good at. And when you need support, I'm here for you now. Right. When you mess up, I'm also going to be here for you. Right. And I'm going to tell you, but I'm also going to find the support for you. Right. And then I then I also think about my time at Camelback and how we worked so hard to build culture. Right. There was never a day that I didn't want to go to work. I like I love my job at Camelback Ventures and tough. Like, you know what it's like to, to, to run a venture capital firm and run a support firm. Um, and it, it's not easy. And it, 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 there's a testing mechanism that goes along with it. Right. You're testing things to make sure that you are putting out the best product for your founders. But that culture where, you know, people said, you know what, I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone to get a little bit better, to get, as Thomas Drew says, to get 1% better at what I'm doing. Because I know, right, we had a, a, one of our values was don't be afraid of failure, right? Yes. Don't be afraid of failure, right? And when you have a culture where, where f- there's a fear of failure, people are not working hard, right? They're going to work to the, they're going to come to the edge, but they're not going to go past it, Drew, as you know. But you want people to go past their limits sometimes, right? That's how you become, right? Look, revolutionaries, like, you know what happens when I hit a theme, right? <laughs> right? That's how you become because you can't become anything unless, like, right, in the in this space of comfort. Camelback and any other great, you know, organizations that I work, work with or work for knew that they, at some point they had to push past the limit, the comfort zone. But you can't push past the comfort zone if you've been berated every day for what you're doing, I'm going to push past my comfort zone because, you know, the people behind me are saying, you know what? Yeah, you got this. We got your back, right? Even if you're right, right, we're going to throw that lasso to you if we see you falling. We got you. And so that's the, that's, the, that's the great thing about companies and culture when you really, really think about how culture can, right, be imbibed to empower folks. That's a great thing. And I, I love to hear that. I want to move the conversation a, a, a little bit because, you know, as we talked the first time we met, some of my folks in venture won't understand what you're trying to do, right? Right. And so I want you to talk a little bit first about fiat growth and what was the idea of behind it? Because there are a lot of folks that I talk to who want to get into venture capital, but are not venture capitalists, you know, haven't don't have the pedigree, as we say, the pedigree, yeah. right? I want to get past that, but they don't have these traditional roads into venture. But your story around creating fiat growth is a pathway, right, to really being a better venture capitalist than what I've seen. So talk about that. So the path that that I've taken into venture capital has definitely been um, a backdoor that I feel like no one has even really imagined because because um, I only really imagined it, you know, when we were in the second or third quarter of the business. But right. What we did is we set up the the infrastructure to be able to properly build for what Fiat Ventures has ultimately become. And, and let me let me let me go back to the beginning now. Now that I talked about mm-hmm. the end, but Fiat Growth was founded in in a little over four years ago, 
and we had this super unique model. And just, just so everyone knows, you know, Fiat Growth is a growth consultancy exclusively focused on the fintech space. And we act as a turnkey CMO for early stage fintech companies, where we basically say, there's no need for you to go get a $300,000 or $400,000 a year CMO to get you from zero to one. Bring my team in. We've seen a thousand different acquisition funnels. You know, We've done this a million times before. We'll do it for a cheaper cost and we will basically build your entire growth ecosystem. So when you bring that, that full-time hire in, we can pass over the keys to a well, well-oiled e- engine and machine for them to take off and run with it. Um, we had a very unique model from day one. We wanted to do one thing was we didn't want to be a typical agency, which takes a percentage of spend, right? Of, of like, you know, which doesn't really align incentives. We got a flat retainer. We got equity in every business we work with because Alex and I were always so baffled by the fact that you have to be an employee for four years of a company. You have to give up four years of your life to earn equity in the business. And, and really, you know, there's the one year cliff that you have to work somewhere for a year to even recognize any of it. So we right. were like, hey, if we're adding value, um, we should be get compensated for it. But the most important one, and this is the one for ventures, is we ask for the right to invest in their next funding round under contract. We had never seen this done before, but early on, I, we were chatting with a number of different advisors and all these advisors said, oh, you guys should start a fund. You should start a syndicate. You should start a rolling fund. These are all these different types of like ways to raise capital. Um one advisor said, you guys should just ask for the right to invest. Didn't say to do it under contract, but said you should just ask and like get that relationship. And I remember looking at Alex and saying, hey, let's just throw it in a contract and see what happens and just say, hey, like we're aligning incentives here. We're here for the long term. We're helping you grow. We didn't have the money at the time. We did not have a venture cap. Like Alex and I, if we wouldn't ask our wives if we could go invest, it, it would have been an issue. Um, but we knew we said, hey, in the future, if this company becomes a billion dollar company, we want to look at them and say, hey, like we have we, we want to put some money in whatever it may be. Right. Right. So exactly. Fast forward to today. Again, we have 25 employees at Fiat Growth. We've worked with over 100 companies in our lifetime, have the, the right to invest in every single one of them. In 2021, we started looking at each other in fintech. I mean, the market in early 2021 was the best you've ever seen it. I mean, like everyone's drooling, like, how can I get a piece of this? The hardest thing to do as a VC is is gain access to really, really Mm -hmm. good venture deals. There is one thing Fiat Growth had. We had access and not just any type of access, like a verbal commitment to, yes, you can invest. We had contractual access, meaning... We had the first right of refusal. Um, So meaning for revolutionaries out there, if they were getting ready to raise a round, they would need to come to us first and say, do you want to invest or not before the round was closed? So we, I mean, I'm telling you, you talk about the rocks and the pebbles in the sand. We weren't looking for this person, but incredibly close family friend of mine, early advisor of Fiat Growth. Marcos Fernandez, previously it's SoFi and Ripple, like had an incredible fintech and Web3 resume, came to us and said, I'm looking for our next role. My initial instinct, mm-hmm. I didn't even see the opportunity in my eyes yet. My instinct was, I'm going to start introducing you to all of our portfolio companies. I might have made 10 introductions to all the different companies we work with. And he was having interview after interview. And we check in every week. And he said, I don't know about this one. And I, 
I remember probably after like his fourth or fifth interview, I was like, Hey, like, what do you want to do? Like, what's, what's your next step? And as he was going down the list, he said, I'd love to run a venture fund at some point. And I said, mm, interesting. Right. Um, we have around at the time, you know, almond milk, yeah, almond milk. <laughs> we have 70 rights to invest in some of like the sexiest fintech companies in the country. Um, we've been wanting to raise a fund, but Alex and I, knowing what our superpowers are, we don't have the time and, you know, right. we don't have like the historic um, traditional experience to get this thing off the ground. Um, but Marcos, incredible strategist, but one of the best executors I've ever met. He was, he said, right. let's talk a little bit more about this. You know, quickly, we kind of figured out a path where we brought him on and he basically joined as both a partner of Fiat Growth and the managing partner at Fiat Ventures. Right. And there we looked at each other and said, let's go raise a fund. Um, yes. And so uh, it's important to know like the conversation around what a fund looks like. There's many different types of ways for you to deploy capital into a company. You can do a syndicate, which is like, hey, let me get my network together. And if they want to invest $2 or a million dollars, they can just throw it in there. And basically, it's a deal by deal opportunity, a rolling right. fund where someone says, I'll, I'll, I'll commit $10,000 a quarter for the next 10 quarters. Then there's a venture fund. This is a traditional type of fund everyone thinks about. And that's where, you know, you get all these high net worth individuals, other funds, institutional funds. Um, you get all of them to invest in your fund. And um, it's a 10-year fund. Uh, you typically have a very, very sound strategy. It's not shoot from, shoot from the hip. And so we started building our strategy. And um, yeah. strategy was super sound, a $15 million fund. We invest in 25 companies. The rest of that money is held for reserves, owning one to two and a half percent yeah. of every single company. I won't spare you with all the details, but um, that turned into us scaling and growing. We had over a thousand conversations. It took us 12 months um, to have that. And it was one of the most incredible journeys I've ever, I've ever, yeah. cause yeah, I've been in sales, but like you talk about like something that is equal parts, just like to do itness and relationship building and relationship nurturing. It is Everything. incredible. And we, yeah. um, and, and you know, the story, like the, the, the most meaningful checks we got in that fund were the ones that started with one person and then 20 conversations later and 20 different yeah. um, introductions later. It turned into the person that understood the mission, understood what we were trying to do, and turned mm -hmm. out to be like, you know, one of the, the more strategic checks uh, for us. Exactly. Exactly. Almond milk. That's, you know, that's, that's <laughs> I love it. Almond, almond milk. milk. <laughs> right. Right. A, 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 exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, that, that, that almond milk is a little, it, it, it's got a little bit more viscosity. You know what I'm saying? It's going to bind, it's going to bind everything <laughs> yeah, together. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right? When you blend it up, it's, exactly. it's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So much there. Right. So, so much there. I want my revolutionaries to hear. Right. And and think about this. Right. I want to define some quick terms. Really. Venture capital is where you 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 have different folks who are pooling money. And, we, and, I'm, and this is very, very simple. Right. And they're investing in companies to make a profit. Right. So I, I want people to understand that. Right. And they, so a venture capital firm is, is what? Right. Google that. But that that is simply where a venture capital firm raises a fund from different folks. You have to be an accredited investor from different funds. There's a thesis and some people have a different thesis. They invest in certain uh, certain sectors. Some sectors are sector agnostic. It depends on the firm. 
They're investing other people's money. You have general partners, you have limited partners, right? The limited partners, right, want the general partners to make them money, they, right? And it's not that they want a 1x or 2x. They're hoping for a 10x, 15x, 100x their, their money as much as they can. Those are our terms, right? So I want my people to understand that. But, and, right, to think about the power of what fiat growth, right, did for fiat ventures. And so what, what I got excited about in our first conversation, I want people to think about this, right? Know your skills, right? Know your zone of genius, right? And think about that. Because what, what excites me of that, that story is that the back door was, we know these companies because we've actually vetted it and worked with them. We've been the CMOs, right? We've been the, I know the CEO, right? I know the CTO, right? I know the people who are on the teams, right? I know if this is actually going to work and has the ability for profitability, right? Can it scale, right? Is it, is, is it churning or is it burning, right? The, the different things, right, uh, are, are around that. And so seeing that, and then being able to go out as right as an evangelical for these companies, right, to raise your fund and say, look, I'm an expert on these companies. Many venture capitalists don't know because they don't have the expertise, right? They're making a guess, right? And we want to know as, as venture capitalists, we want to mitigate as much risk as possible. Being with fiat growth, it feels like you were able to mitigate as much risk as you could to say, and then go out to raise this fund to say, wait a minute. I know these companies better than anybody else other than these CEOs because I've been with them. And that's what I love about how the backdoor and getting and raising fund because you were the experts. You were the experts. You so that's the amazing piece to me. You're 100% right. And, and that, that, was, that was the unlock. We take a step back and we think to ourselves, Fiat Growth is the leading growth consultancy for the fintech space, but it doubles as the best due diligence arm in the fintech space. Mm. We right, get to work with right. with the company for anywhere from three to twelve months prior to investment, which means we can look. Um, which means when we are having the conversation of do we want to invest in them, we're not just going straight to our investment committee and saying do we want to invest. We go to our team and say what do you love, what do you don't love, like what does the CEO eat for breakfast and, and eat for dinner. Like right. we know these things, right. and then. Once we've decided from the fiat growth standpoint, if we want to invest in them, at that point, we bring it to the second stage of let's look at it as an investable opportunity. Yes. Early stage investing, that's almost impossible to do from a pre-seed to seed standpoint. What you're typically doing as a VC is you're having a lunch. You are looking at a well-manicured deck that they've spent hours <laughs> practicing yeah. in the mirror, and you're making a gut call like, do I like the space? Right. Is the TAM large enough? Does the CEO seem competent? Do I want to invest or not? Where we right. get these back of the card stats that are just pristine <laughs> that we've created ourselves. And we all, yes. data back decisions, data is king. The reason why we found a backdoor into venture is for all the other things I said before, but most importantly, we can assess deals on a much deeper, thoughtful level than anyone else can from an early stage venture standpoint because of fiat growth. Yes. 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 I love it. I love it. So let me break this down for my revolutionaries who are thinking like, okay, Charles, like you, you just taken this into this very, very heady conversation, right? Revolutionaries, what I want you to understand is, is right. The creation of wealth, right? Entrepreneurship is one of the, right. Understand it's one of the riskiest vehicles, but it's one of the, the, the best vehicles to create wealth. 
and thinking about this and moving into the space. I'm always I'm always loving the person who has the money to invest, right? And I'm always wanting to be that person. Right? I'm always wanting to be that person. So how are you thinking about using your skills revolutionary, right? And even partnering folks, right? To say, I want to go into a certain sector. Right. I want to figure out what what are the, what are the niche processes that need to be handled for an organization that I can go in and provide my skills for and really learn. Right. Because what happens when you become an expertise in this. Right. You have now the ability to build those relationships as we've just been talking about. Right. To bring people on board. Because that's what happens when you have the ability to invest. Right. Eli. Right. I'm, I'm talking to you. My, my best friend, Elijah Beatty board certified cardiologist. We talk about investing, right? Angel investing, all investing all the time. But when you have that onboarded knowledge, you're better prepared to make and create wealth, right? And to grow and scale your investments, to, to scale your company. And that's what I, I, I love about this. So revolutionaries, think about what your skills are and how you can help other folks, right? Right, how you can actually right think about what's my skill set, right? My my good friend Nadia and I are talking about this now. What's our skill set with the companies that we've worked with, right, through Camelback Ventures, and how we can continue to support them to enhance our growth because we know them just like you know your fintech space, right? And that's the interesting thing. That's why I'm so excited. So revolutionaries, really think about this. If, if this is your space, think about how you can actually provide value to up up and coming companies, right? Instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about creating a fund. How do you provide value that's going to give you the inf more information than the next person? And that's what I love. That's what I love. Our time is coming. All right. Sure. It, it, it always goes by fast, Drew. And like I said, I wanted to have a different conversation that you've been having. Revolutionary. You can go out and Google. There's a lot of folks where he goes into fintech, right? And um, But I, I do want to ask you one question about it. You know, for folks of color, for us, right, as, as we begin to, like, understand more about fintech and crypto, what what do we need to know to be more successful in the space just as a consumer of fintech and fintech products? Because many people, you know, a couple of things that you said, they might not know. They might not know what Chime is, right, yeah. and how it helps. What advice would you give my revolutionaries as they're thinking about Fintech. I'm gonna leave it there. Fintech is a really interesting space right now because people's relationship with money is shifting because of mm. the impact technology has had on the world over the last couple of decades. Companies like Chime, that's a digital bank um, that focuses on the low to middle income communities across the country. A digital bank is one where there are no physical addresses. There's no brick and mortars, unlike a Bank of America or a Wells, where you see a, a building at the corner of, you know, you know, every single street around your town. This is one where they can basically get rid of the overhead costs of all those and imp implement it back into the business and get rid of things like late fees. Um, Right. Stuff like that. There's two things I think about when it comes to the fintech space. And um, and I'll, I'll just focus on low to middle income um, communities. Um, one is, is everyone's building for it right now. Historically, it's been an unrecognized so, uh, place of innovation when it comes to technology. 
and also almost an unrecognized source of revenue for a lot of business. Low to middle income communities spend more money than every single other community combined. We are the community that buys the most Jordans. <laughs> we are also the community that um, that spends the most money on food. Um, we buy the most commercial products. As you see, like we're in this brand golden age where it's very easy to right. get a business off the ground. Small businesses can't get in every single corner store. They also can't get in every single um, supermarket. Um, so you talk about the big brands that we see Super Bowl commercials of. Low to middle income communities spend the most money on them because they have the supply right. chain to get inside of these different places. So one is is... There's so many different products out there right now to try to help you manage your money, improve your financial health. Um, beware. A lot of them are predatory. Not all, not right. all of them are thinking that's, about that's your best right. interest. So mm -hmm. make sure as you are working with it, especially when you talk about lending stuff like payday loans, there's a whole resurgence of a reimagination of this model. It just looks different. It's got better branding, right. but it still is predatory right. as it once was. Only a few out there, um, shout out to Possible Finance, but like a few companies out there are doing things that are really unique in the space. Um, the other one is, and this is like the exact opposite, there's some really incredible technologies out there that will help you better engage with your financial journey. And I think it's really important for you to look inward at your financial journey. A company called Propel. If you happen to be on food stamps, a company Propel digitizes that entire process for you. And you can literally go through the line at a supermarket and not have to fill out physical food stamps. You can literally use Propel the app. And that is not a moment of stigma. You know, a, a, yeah, it's not a bad moment for anyone. It's one where you're, you're just another individual grabbing food for your family. Right. Um, I love that. And, I love that. And also like That's a revolution right there. Totally. And then on the other side, you know, there's companies like Copper Bank where we talk about the relationship. Now, like your teenagers are finding ways to earn money. It's not like it once was before where you did a paper route or you sold lemonade in front of your house. Like you can do the people are reselling shoes, you know, they're right. Right, exactly. They're creating Etsy stores like they're doing all these different things. So just realize it's it's not just about us. You know, these people um, or I'm not going to assume what your what your your listener base is. But it's not people like me that are in their 30s, you know, like just like getting into like, I, I think I know what I want, but I'm not sure what I want. But like teenagers, you know, people that are in college, these are all folks that have access to the exact same tools that I'm talking about. And their relationships because of it are getting smarter and they're getting stronger. So just making sure as you think about yourself, think about the next generation below you because they are engaging with it just as much as, as you are and bring them up and make sure they have a really strong understanding. Totally. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, it's interesting as I learn, right. The, the, the entrepreneurial entrepreneur in me, my entrepreneurial brain is like every month that I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm sure there's something out there, but every month when I have to pay bills, like I have to pay my business bills and then I have to pay my personal bills. And I've got a couple of businesses. I was like, I just want one dashboard, right? That's it. One dashboard that has my business accounts, right? Um, it has my personal accounts and that I can pay everything from one dashboard that my bills have filtered down into this dashboard dashboard and I can pay everything <laughs> instead of having to go to Bank of America, having to go to Axos Bank, having to go to this this bank. Right. Because uh, like you said, I'm also trying to, you know, with some of my business, I'm trying to avoid fees. 
right? I, I got tired of paying fees every Agreed. month. And I'm like, why, why am I paying this $15 fee? Like I'm like for nothing for basically nothing. And so I was like, that's the thing that I'm looking for next. And I'm sure somebody's been, so it is not the pain point. My only pain. I'll point. send you 10 links after the call. <laughs> yeah. yeah People please, doing right. in this space. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, revolutions when we, and, and I wanted to find our terms real quick. When I say FinTech, I'm talking about financial technology, right? Absolutely. Right. Financial technology, the apps that we're using to help us manage our money, right. And to actually build wealth. And so things like that. Um, but that's the wonderful thing. Like I said, beware, beware and making sure that you understand what's going on because they're actually, you know, there, there is predation out there. Folks are trying to take your money. Um, every day my mom is, you know, my mom gets calls, someone like there's fraud or, or, or something, right? So, so beware because in FinTech it's both good and bad and as in anything. So definitely beware. Do I appreciate the time, man. This is, like I said, I was excited about this conversation excited about who you are and what you're doing. It is just a, you know, for a person my age and to see a young brother like you doing amazing things, right, and and having impact uh, as well as, you know, not even impending fatherhood, being becoming a father, right? Because each and every day as you, as you raise little Coco, you become more and more of her dad, right? You become more and more of that father. And so I, I look forward to seeing, you know, what it looks like 10 years down from the road and 20 years down from the road and the father that you have become and the husband that you have become as well and the community member, as well as venture capitalists, right? And the impacts that we say, you know, as you say, we're, we're, we've invested in 150 companies or 200 companies and the impact, right? Because it's always interesting to see, you know, yes, we've made these investments, but then also how have they impacted folks' lives? True. And that's the work that we yep. do. And so I'm truly blessed to have this time with you. Uh, folks, just please Google Drew Guller, Drew Glover, Fiat Ventures, Fiat Growth. The brother's doing amazing, amazing things to hear his story. But listen to this, because I, like I said, I wanted to have a different conversation with you. And I think that we've done that. I think that I've reached my goal to have this. So revolutionaries, you know, I love you. And I always want to make sure that you're out in the world fulfilling your revolutions. And we know that we're here with you. So make sure that you're fighting the good fight, that you are impacting your communities and you're actually revolutionizing yourself. So we're here with you and I love you. And um, we'll see you next time. Drew, thank you for everything. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no doubt. What's your revolution? 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 Father, my father's transitioning, brother. Um, yeah, he's, you know, um, 93. Uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, vascular dementia. So, you know, when we talked, he was actually, that was probably one of the, the better days that we've had over the last couple of weeks. And um, now he's, he's, he's moving, you know, he's, he's moving into that space. He's not eating, he's not doing his thing. So we're just trying to figure out what's the best, what's the, what is the best, you know, course for him to just enjoy this time for, you know, and, and me to enjoy this time with him. So that's all. Oh man, I am so sorry about that. You know, the developmental psychologist in me is like, this is a death is a part of life. The, the, the day we're born, you know, the day we're born, we're, we start dying. And it's what we do within that time, you know, because you never know when the day or time, you know, is going to come. And I've been fortunate to, you know, my father is everything to me. He's been an amazing father. Um, you know, my best friend, even now, like, I think the biggest thing, Drew, is that I just kind of miss talking to him and I kind of... Like I want to talk to him, but I know that that time has probably passed where we can just kind of have that conversation. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I just love on him. Uh, I love on him like he's my child, Drew, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I just love on him. Uh, I love on him like he's my child, Drew, you know? Yeah.